0: turn my microphone on first. Right. Microphone on. Welcome to the Chapter 49 podcast. Today is May the 6th of 2022. We want to welcome you uh, to our Chapter 49 podcast as we enter the month of May. Month of May is always a, a, a very important uh, day. It's when spring really begins to uh, set in and, and it's also, by the way, uh, it is the, uh, the first weekend of May is the Kentucky Derby. So for our friends in Kentucky and southern Indiana, this is a, a very big weekend for them. It's always a big deal to bring in Duncan Giles, our chapter president. Welcome, Duncan
1: thanks, Larry. Good to be here. And if I'm a big deal, we're we're scraping the bottom of the barrel.
0: Well, you are, of course. What would it be? You know just imagine a podcast where you just have to sit there and listen and look at me. I mean I, I'm not even sure I would try that. I was talking to somebody today who was uh, uh, trying to do a podcast. And I thought, well, it's great. But, you know, here's the problem. We want to do this podcast. I want to do this. They want to do that. Nobody wants to actually do the podcast on the microphone. I said, this is a problem. <laughs> Nobody wants to actually be on the microphone and talk. I said, I think you need to, you're kind of getting the cart before the horse here. If you want to do a podcast, somebody needs to actually be in front of the mic. Uh, you know, that's uh, we, unfortunately for us, Duncan, you and I have never had that problem.
1: That is true. Yeah, we're uh, neither one of us is shy. Let's put it that way.
0: So just to remind people, I'm Larry Landon. I am a, a retiree, and I'm a communications volunteer for Chapter 49, and this podcast is is my main endeavor in that area to communicate with uh, people in Indiana and elsewhere who choose to watch and listen to our podcast. So with that in mind, let's start with something we talked about last time. The last time you and I got together about a week ago We were talking about the caregiver's leave and the fact that the caregiver's leave uh, actually gave you a chance to do some planning. It was going to end at the end of June or roughly that that period of time. Since you and I have talked, uh, the guidance has changed on that. So please update us what's going on with caregiver leave.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, like they say, read the terms and conditions and read them very closely because the fine print will kill you. This is one of those situations. Basically, the caregiver's leave ends when the evacuation order ends. And even though some folks may not be coming back until June 26, the evacuation order for the IRS effectively ends May the 8th. So the IRS has said, and legally they can do this, that the caregiver's leave will end on May the 8th. So if you've used that in the past, you're going to need to make some plans. I sent out something to Chapter 49 members earlier this week to alert them, to give them a heads up, but you really need to plan for this now because as of Monday, when you're, uh, when you're working, you won't be able to avail yourself of this anymore.
0: Has the service ever shared with NTEU nationally or locally or at any level, just how many people have been taking advantage of this caregiver leave?
1: We've gotten some preliminary figures but we haven't gotten the hard uh the hard statistics but this has been a very successful program and something we think that has done a great deal with retention for employees during this pandemic so we don't know exactly how much it is but it's been quite a bit
0: so there is at least a danger that we could lose some employees over that is that what you're hearing
1: I, You know, it's it's one of those things that right now we're scrambling to keep everyone that we can. And I think every business is doing that at this point because, you know, the unemployment numbers are still very, very low. You want to keep – you train people to keep them. And with the loss of the caregiver leave, this is going to create a hardship for a lot of folks out there. And they may be looking for alternatives. We just don't know. We hope it doesn't happen. Um, and I can tell you that, you know, nobody from NTU either locally or nationally is very happy about the May 8th date. But legally, IRS can and is doing it.
0: It's interesting, Duncan. You mentioned the uh, the fact that the uh, there are so many people who are who are leaving the job they have, and, and of course, you know, IRS is, is is experiencing that just like other employers are. But I still remember this, Duncan. Think back a while, back several months ago, when the people had that uh, additional unemployment benefit, that that, uh, extra benefit, and certain elected officials kept saying, all you have to do is take away that extra benefit people were getting, and they'll flock back to their jobs. Well, guess what? They haven't. You know, sometimes you think you know and you don't know. And I think uh, we have to consider just what impact this will have. Will this cause people to leave the IRS? I certainly hope that is not the case. But as you have said, you know, we'll find out. And and this was the IRS decision, which they have the uh, authority to do under the law. And uh, we'll see what the uh, impact will be.
1: Yeah, the, the one thing that I very much regret on the IRS's behalf, is the fact that they did not advertise that it specifically would end on this date. They're, they've not done it to date. Uh, they felt that there is needs to be no more notice given. And I'm sorry, sometimes you have to lay out the bad news. I don't like being the messenger on this one, but people need to know. And if they're sitting there, you know, I don't want anybody to have to come into their manager on Monday or text their manager and say, I'm going to be taking caregivers leave. Oh, nope, sorry, that's not available. Well, nobody told me because the IRS didn't want to advertise it. Sorry, it should be done. It should, they should have talked about this quite a while ago when they were talking about the different phases and ready to come back.
0: Okay, Duncan, let's talk about something else now. And this has to do with um, areas uh, of the country or maybe just areas of the IRS where people work where you have a below successful uh, performance appraisal. Uh, There's been some talk about whether or not people with that situation can continue to telework all the way through uh, like uh, June 25th, 27th, whatever the official date would be for that person. Um, What are you hearing? This is kind of unusual. What are you hearing about this?
1: Yeah, this is kind of fascinating to me. And again, we're keeping in mind that the official end of the evacuation order is May the 8th. That's the end of the evacuation order. Now, what they've said is people are going to be allowed to uh, full telework, i.e. work from your home and not have to report to the office until that June 26th date. Well, what is, you know, basically it has been, okay, we're going to follow the contract for those that have not gotten a fully successful appraisal. You're not going to be able to uh, telework because you, according to the rules, you can't. The same as if you have, over a hundred and, uh, if you have over 41 hours in any one year and you've gotten disciplined for AWOL, or if you've, um, you know, downloaded or, you know, pornographic material or gambling, uh, you know, on your com- government computer, things of that nature, which if you've done that, I have no idea why you still have a job, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but the, the important thing is, is that they're saying that people who are minimally successful, there are certain areas of the IRS and certain pockets of it. I don't know how widespread it is. I don't know if this is the IRS policy, but they're saying that folks who do not have a fully successful appraisal can continue to telework until that June 26th date. They do not have to come in on that Monday date.
0: Okay. Well, that's something to watch. That is uh, something you had not anticipated as you as we move forward on this, there's so much going on with telework. And and you've mentioned this before, we want to mention it again, and and, and kind of expand on it, that uh, as we reach the end of the evacuation order, uh, just we have to, once again, emphasize the importance of having that approved telework agreement. If you don't have it, uh, you're going to start reporting back to the office next week. So this is right right now. This is impacting people uh, as we record this in the afternoon of May the 6th and just a few days after this.
1: Yeah, if you've not gotten, if you don't have an approved telework, a frequent or reoccurring telework agreement, you're going to be expected to show up on Monday, May the 8th many people have gotten an ad hoc telework and we went on the evacuation order, but if those folks, if you've not put in a new one and there's been plenty of information out there, we've spoken about it on this podcast that you need to have gotten one in yesterday. The IRS has 20 days to approve those. So even if you put one in today, if you're watching this on Friday, May the 6th and decide to put one in, you know, it could be 20 days before it gets approved. And during those twenty days, you could be called into the office every single day. Now we, you know, we hope that wouldn't happen, and we hope folks have put them in. But if you have not, if you've had a frequent or reoccurring telework agreement prior to the evacuation order, you're fine. If you've gotten one in since then, that's been approved, you should be fine. I'm talking about the people who are on an ad hoc telework agreement that have not put in anything for frequent or reoccurring that are eligible to, either their uh, position classification meets it according to the contract or their work is entirely portable. So you wanna get that done yesterday if you do desire to telework. And I do wanna go back uh, to the point we were talking about just a moment ago where folks who are minimally successful. Um, I find it very interesting that I'm, I'm all about expanding rights beyond the agreement. If, if management wants to give employees rights beyond what's written in the agreement, I think that's wonderful. So if they want to give folks who are minimally successful, uh, you know, to continue to telework, I think that's great. I really do. The problem's going to be now management has set a precedent and a practice because the evacuation order ends May 8th. So once that May 8th date has come and gone, and folks are allowed to telework, that's a past practice, even if you're minimally successful. So that's something that I hope they're considering and realizing what they're going to have to deal with down the road.
0: Well, I'll leave it up to you to take care of those labor relations. Fine points, Duncan. You obviously are better at that than I am. I might've been at one time. I've been out of the game for a while, as you, as you well know. Just a little bit. By the way, I do want to just make a technical point here. Uh, sometimes we don't know why but uh, sometimes on duncan's end uh there is a, a signal problem and if you're listening uh, to this just audio only just listening to it you won't notice anything but if you're watching the video you'll notice that duncan's you know speech is that we watching him speak and listening to what he says are not always syncing up it's not all the time it just kind of comes and goes it's nothing we can control it's just the uh I, I still think, Duncan, there must be some sort of mass, you know, intelligence service operation to try to mess up our podcast, don't you?
1: Yeah, it's either that or somebody wants me to have an homage to uh, Hong Kong movies of the early seventies.
0: <laughs> well, well, I'll tell you something. With, I, I, I could I could say it's one of several conspiracy theories, but I won't even mention any. <laughs> that could be behind this. But uh, no, it's just something we deal with occasionally. Sometimes it's just the weather. You know, it's it's stormy out today, so maybe that did it. Who knows? But uh, uh, so anyway, if you see a little mismatch on Duncan's video, uh, that's why it happened. It's just a matter of the it, uh, this connection isn't always as perfect uh, as we would like it to be. Let's talk about money. It's always an issue people like to talk about. There's already discussion of what kind of federal employee raise uh, federal workers are going to be given next year. You've been seeing, if you've been reading about this in the the press, there's been some reporting on this. Uh, You've seen two different possible raise amounts. One is 4.6%. The other is 5%. Point one percent. Of course, we would prefer the higher one if we can possibly have that. We've seen both of those figures uh, bandied about now in the media. Tell us where these two raised figures are coming from, Duncan.
1: Absolutely, yeah. The four point six has come from the administration. That's what they're proposing for federal employees for uh, two thousand twenty-three. Now. You know, the 5.1% comes in from a group of lawmakers in the House and Senate who have said, we don't think 4.6 is enough. We think 5.1 would be a better figure for our federal employees. Now, they do realize, as do I, inflation goes the rest of the year, less than the rate of inflation. But this is a political animal. Federal raises are a political animal, and they felt that 5.1 is the absolute highest that they could probably get. So that's why people are going, well, why isn't it 6.5? Why isn't it 7% to match the inflation rate? I hear you. I totally get it. I would urge you to contact your congressperson or your senators about this and let them know that as well. But they feel right now that that's the the highest that they're going to be able to possibly get is the 5.1.
0: And just so you know, Duncan, you you cut out just for a short period of time, but I think we got the message very clearly as to what you were saying. The 4.6 percent is in the president's proposed budget, and the 5.1 percent comes from a group of people in Congress. I think about 60 members of the House have signed on to the higher raise. And sadly, you know, you go back in history. You know, I, I started working for the government and federal government in 1983, and my father was a federal serv- civil servant in the, almost his entire working life. And I cannot remember a single year where federal employees even got the full amount of the rate of inflation. We're, we're lucky just to get a part of it. And sadly, that's where we're at today. And it's not because we think that's fair. It's just what we can get based on the, as you said, the political environment around us.
1: Exactly so. So again, contact your Congressperson and your senators to let them know how you feel, because they hear, they listen to that, and that helps.
0: And our lobbyists, we've, I've talked to our lobbyists, I've been to our uh, legislative conferences, and I'll tell you, our lobbyists who go out there and they make the case for your raises and your benefits and just makes the case for for you in general as as a federal employee, they will say they need the backup of the membership. You know, if we say, you know, 5.1%, you've got to push for that. You've got to get your local member of Congress on board with that. That's what allows our lobbyists on the Hill to to actually get something done. And it, I've talked to all of them at some occasion, at least I don't know if I've talked to all of them that are there now, but it's one point or another in the past. And they will say to a person, we need that help from the membership out in the field. So...
1: Yeah. And that's it's very easy to do. Go to www.ntu.org and the legislative area on your own time and on a non-government computer. And those letters are pre-done for you. All you have to do is fill in a little bit of information and you don't have to change anything. If you don't wish, click it and send it. it takes less than a minute.
0: And as I mentioned earlier, Duncan, we are in the first week of May. We're recording this on May 6th. You may listen to it or watch it later than that. But the first week in May has, has traditionally been Public Service Recognition Week. And this is a week where those working in the public service sector at any level of government, federal or anywhere else, there's some recognition given and it's it's good that this has been this has actually been around I think since the mid nineteen eighties, if I remember correctly. It's just good that there are some people recognizing those who who are working in the public sector and, and working hard to to do the public's work every day.
1: Yeah, and I want to personally thank each and every federal employee that's watching this for the job that you do. It's incredibly tough work. You do it very, very well in difficult circumstances, a lot of times with outdated equipment, um, systems that are darn near as old as I am, um, and that's old. Uh, And you just just keep persevering and forwarding on. So I just want to say on behalf of myself, my fellow chapter leaders, And national NTU who, to a person, can't tell you how much they appreciate the work that federal employees do. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You are appreciated.
0: Just so you know, if you were using systems as old as I am, it would be paper and pencil only. (laughs) Well, you might have a UNIVAC computer that probably takes up an entire floor of an office building that you could probably which had less power than your, your cell phone has right now. That's how far we've come.
1: I think there's probably still that system in 1111. Right. Somewhere in the basement.
0: Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) In case you don't know, 1111, he's talking about 1111 Constitution Avenue, which is the IRS national headquarters in Washington, D.C., which is just around the corner from the Treasury building. I mean,. The Treasury Building is a magnificent building. In fact, if you ever go to Washington D.C. The Treasury Building is right next to the White House. The White House is dwarfed by the Treasury Building, which is this huge, magnificent building. And uh, I remember going uh, with Gail Groves when she was uh, going when she and I both went to the legislative conference. We took a nighttime tour. We're walking down Pennsylvania Avenue. And she goes, okay, that's the White House, this little building over there? I said, yes, and that's the Treasury building over there. Right around the corner is the IRS headquarters at 1111 Constitution Avenue. So when he talks about 1111, that's the IRS National Headquarters in an ornate but very old building along uh, that stretch of government offices. Duncan, I want to just, every now and then, it's, it's kind of nice to say I told you so. But it's, you know, you'd rather not have been able to say that because we just got some information from a recent TIGDA report. For those who don't know, TIGDA stands for Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration. And TIGDA, the, uh, the organization, issued a report recently. IRS has 5,500 submission processing jobs open. They're trying to fill them. Duncan talked about how, you know, okay, you can have all these job fairs or whatever you want, How are you going to hire people at these wage levels? First of all, just at these wage levels. Secondly, for a job that that is seasonal, it will only be for a certain period of time. Well, as of mid-March, of those 5,500 openings, IRS has onboarded less than 10%. And you did warn us this would happen.
1: Yeah, and the IRS is continuing to try and make strides, and God bless them, they're trying. Uh, I do know that those numbers have gone up since then because they've had uh, some job fairs in service center campus areas, but it's still not even coming close to those 5,500 numbers, not even close. And it is, it's a, a product of the system, even with a $15 an hour minimum, which the, you know, the president has set, you know, you can get more than that at many fast food places to start. So because, you know, we do have great benefits. We do have, uh, you know, a great leave system. But until your wages are competitive, and that's what a lot of people are looking at. It's it's not going to do much good, unfortunately. And we're seeing that, especially when you're trying to hire seasonal employees.
0: So we certainly wish the management well, but they've got a, a steep hill to climb on this and they still have a huge paper inventory. And as I understand it, there are, there are still people who file paper wise uh, who are waiting on their refunds simply because we don't, as, the, as an agency, have the staff to actually get that done.
1: Yeah. I mean, literally, we, um, our steward up in Maryville, Zoe Olge, our treasurer, uh, he had gotten a call, as I had gotten a call from a former employee who fired up, who filed a paper return because they always file a paper, a paper return. And they sent it in by the due date. They're very concerned because they haven't heard anything. They sent it, you know, registered and return receipt and they haven't gotten a signature. And it's like, there's no surprise there. Uh, the service centers are still overwhelmed.
0: Yeah. And they may not get even that uh, the return receipt for a while. That's sad, but that's, that's just the way things go. I want to talk about something else here because um, I went through this, you know, about 10, 11 years ago. The Office of Personnel Management, OPM, manages the retirement system for federal employees. And the system they use, we've talked about this before, it's very archaic and it's paper-driven. There's some, uh, some technology, but not nearly enough. And when you retire, you're on a lower annuity for many months and then you get paid retroactively. But, you know, you really have to kind of... Some people actually make their... Decision about whether or not to retire at all, or at a certain time, based on the fact that they know they're not going to get their full annuity for several months. The Office of Personnel Management has now, um, uh, should I should say, submitted a document, a, a budget document, and they're proposing to the Congress to modernize this system dramatically. Of course, it'll be up to the Congress as to whether this money will be given and. You know, over how many years or whatever. But they're at least now, and this is a, we haven't seen this before, as I, at least as far as my memory goes, where OPM has at least submitted a plan to the Congress saying, we want to modernize the retirement system. Here's how we would propose to do it. That at least is one step forward.
1: Yeah. And it, as you mentioned, it is sorely, sorely needed. Uh, it just takes a very long time because we are still very paper intensive. They don't have the systems in place to do this uh, quickly. Um, And as somebody who has joined the KMA club this year, uh, I don't have any plans to go anywhere uh, right now, but it would be nice to know when I do decide to retire that there's going to be, you know, a fairly simple and quick system to do it right now. That's not the case. And they, they do need to get those systems up and running and I hope they can work with Congress And get that taken care of.
0: Do you have any estimate or any idea just how many retirement eligible workers we have, let's say, in Indiana?
1: We do not have any idea. We do know that it is quite a few because we have a highly seasoned workforce. So we do have, uh, you know, it is a significant percentage, uh, both in Indiana and nationwide, where uh, folks are eligible to retire so we need to hopefully get this uh situation at opm uh, modernized so that it can be much smoother when folks who are ready to go can have a easier way to go highly
0: seasoned, i really kind of like that
1: i i try and be as nice <laughs> as i can
0: <laughs> uh i mean uh, we were i i do remember that when i was uh doing some teaching for Indiana university. The three of us have traveled the state. Uh, we were all in, in the upper years and I won't even tell you what they called us back in the IU uh, Bloomington office, but it was, it was not highly seasoned. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Final comment, Duncan.
1: Yeah. I just want to say, you know, I know there's a lot of anxiety out there about folks who are nervous about coming to the office folks who are potentially looking at uh hoteling slash desk sharing you know the fear of the unknown is always the worst it's going to be okay the service is going to do what they can to make sure that the environment that you come back into is going to be as healthy air and as clean as possible is it going to be as clean and as healthy as we'd like i don't think anybody would have that uh, and it's just it's a difficult thing to overcome, you know. After all this time spent at home, but you know we can work through it. And if you do have issues or are you know that concerned, please, please, please do not hesitate to reach out uh, to the EAP folks. Um, those those people we've got some. They can refer you to some very good mental health professionals that can help you out with this because that's something that everybody needs to have if they're at that time in their life.
0: You know, Duncan, I'm going to say something real quick here. We've talked about this before. Uh, as, as I've mentioned on this podcast occasion, I do uh, produce several podcasts. And one of them is a local podcast in where I live in Fishers, Indiana. And there's a lady living in Fishers who grew up in Russia, spent time in Ukraine, And when the the war between Ukraine and Russia broke out, Russia invading Ukraine essentially, she and her husband, who's from Fort Wayne, Indiana, volunteered to go to Poland and help these refugees. And she told a story that is just amazing. I just want to make this point. Poland, the people of Poland do not get enough credit for what they have done. The number of Ukrainian refugees that have come from Ukraine into the nation of Poland, in the millions, millions. And Poland is not a large country that they've absorbed all these people with no complaint. In fact, she tells the story, her name is Julia. she tells the story of how people in Poland work their regular day, and at night they go and volunteer. Or if they work at night during the day, they go and volunteer to help these people. They give money. They give what they have. And maybe it's just history where Poland has been the victim often in history of this sort of thing but the polish people did this the government does what they can but they can't do much and this is and they were doing all this before they got any international help they still haven't received help from the united states in humanitarian aid uh the congress is still looking at that that's been proposed by the president nobody's acted on it yet so not even knowing whether they would have this help this small country these people pull together and they've helped these refugees uh, sometimes they've stayed in Poland. Sometimes they've resettled them in places like Greece or other other parts of Europe. But I just want to say, I am so impressed with what I have heard, the stories I've heard about Poland, the Polish people, and how they have just opened their hearts and worked hard to try to support uh, these Ukrainian refugees. It's a story that warms your heart and makes you feel good about humanity. That's my final comment.
1: And I... I- couldn't agree more and as always our thoughts and prayers go out to the folks in the ukraine that are suffering through this and are thankful for nations like poland for doing what they're doing
0: well duncan if all goes well and we certainly hope that it was although the fact is that you and i are now getting into that area actually i have been for a while you're getting into that area being seasoned <laughs> So we hope that we'll be back next week. I certainly expect that we will. And and first, and I do want to thank everybody for watching and listening. We have a very loyal group of people that uh, I could just look at by looking at the statistics of where people are listening and watching that uh, we have a loyal group of people that follow this podcast each week. Hey, that's the only reason Duncan and I do this is because you're out there. So again, if you want to get links, contact Duncan. He'll send them to you each week. In the meantime, we want you all to please be safe and be kind.